Hi there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hope Interrupted podcast. I am Byron McCauley, and of course, I'm the co-host of uh, this podcast. My partner and writing partner and partner in crime, Jennifer Mooney, is out there somewhere in America, um, traveling around the Southeast. So we wish her well as she takes a little break and sees a little bit of America with her husband, Don. Um, today, we have a treat for you because uh, we're, we're not going to be on live with our normal banter. But instead, we want to offer um, a recording of our recent wonderful um, book reading the reading of our book hope interrupted uh, at the historic cincinnati mercantile library um, we were there recently and it was a great success so uh, we talk a little bit about the book we talk a little bit about our friendship uh, but most importantly you know we we wanted to share uh, some of our learnings and writing this book and writing uh, to each other over the months. Um, you can find Hope Interrupted and order a copy yourself at www.hopeinterrupted.com. Also, you can find it on amazon.com and on our publisher's website, Orange Frazier, that is with a Z-E-R, Frazierpress.com. And um, we'll be seeing you next week. By the way, that intro, as my godson, Starscream the Giant. And you can find him on Instagram, Starscream the Giant. He does our music. So give him a shout out, if you will. Thanks. Listen with everyone else. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for that great introduction. Uh, we are so excited to be here in this amazing building. Uh, we want to thank the Mercantile Library as well for, for having us and believing in our project as well. Uh, Jennifer, we, we did this. Can you imagine? We, we took a few months ago, we said that we seem to see some kind of a, there's some kind of a change. It was more than on, a few right? months ago. It was a year ago. Wasn't yeah, it? It, was it was almost a, a year ago. Yeah, it took, yeah, it, took a, it took a while to give birth to this. Yeah. Yeah. But we went up and um, to our publisher, um, Orange Fraser Press, and picked some copies up yesterday and did our official launch. So this is this is it. So I know you want to talk about you know, where you can find this book, first of all, before we go into our I wanted story. To, I want to do two things. One, I also want to thank the folks at C-SPAN Book TV for rebroadcasting us. So if you're watching this with the Mercantile, know it's also going to be on C-SPAN in a couple of weeks and they'll right. rebroadcast right. it a few times. So. Uh, that I've been, I've been a big fan of C-SPANs. Yeah. I was a fangirl before it was cool to like C-SPAN. Yeah, I know. Well, you would be. I was, yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. I was at their 10th anniversary. Oh, that's pretty That cool. was kind of cool. Yeah. So you can purchase our book directly from our publisher at orangefraserpress.com. It's loading to Amazon right now, either ebook or ebook. Yeah, ebook. And right um, independent booksellers, it's 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 going into in the months ahead, some right away in Cincinnati, Joe Beth, it's going to be in kind of right now. I think. Yeah, I think so. They, 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 they have some. So, and, and some bookstores in New Mexico, same thing. So, or you can also go to www.hopeinterrupted.com. Yeah. So, you know, Jennifer, when we started writing this book, Hope Interrupted, um, it, we started this about two weeks after George Floyd was killed. Um, you say murder. I, I, I've been saying kill, but you know he he has been found guilty now. So we'll say murder. Uh, in in Minneapolis, you had a ton of political unrest happening in America with um, with the election season, and then you had this thing called COVID nineteen, which none of us was ready for. And you and I, who are friends, we were communicating about all this stuff all the time. Well, and let's right? back up for a minute and kind of tell people how we even 
got to the point where we wanted to write together. Yes. Yeah. So so let's let's yeah. talk about a little bit about how right, we met and right. what the trajectory for our relationship has been. Yeah. Thank you for for reminding me of that because it all you know I want to just kind of go into things, but I think it's really important to talk about how we did become friends. Obviously, I'm a black man. You are you know a Southern Christian man. You are more than Jewish. Caucasian woman, but we found a kinship almost immediately. But the first time I met you, you were standing out literally in a spotlight uh, in a big auditorium. There were probably about 500 of us. You made a speech uh, to a bunch of aspiring PR professionals. I was sort of one of them, a hybrid. I'm still a journalist, but you know, really interested. And and I I came up after you were done and I actually had the nerve to ask you for your presentation. And I think I said, no, I wouldn't send it right away. Right, you did, right. you did, and I, I appreciate your candor, um, but you didn't You didn't make me feel badly about asking it, which is important. I, I, I left thinking, well, she's nice and she's definitely capable. And I did send it, I sent it. Sent it, I sent it. You sent it, you sent yeah. it, and it was different than what you said, but it was, you had notes, so you couldn't. Right. So then we went to lunch probably a couple of weeks later, and that one hour lunch turned into like three hour tour, like like a three hour tour. <laughs> it yeah. did. It lasted. It lasted a whole afternoon, yeah. and you were not a whole afternoon because I had work. You were <laughs> and we hadn't established that I would be a right. source yet. Right. right. Yeah, you were. You were famous. I mean, you were. A, columnist, a big, t you ended up on the editorial board of a newspaper, you'd been an editor at other newspapers, you had done all these things, but I found you just to be this unassuming person, and we pretty quickly dove into, we started talking about subjects like race immediately. Immediately, yeah. race and our kids and, you know, everything that we were sort of going through, and we gossiped just a little bit, actually. That, just was, so that was probably not... We, we're not going to talk about that. No. <laughs> yeah. But we did. We did gossip. Just a we just connected some dots. That's exactly what, that's what, is that what you call gossip these days? I don't know. Okay. We figured out how things were interrelated right, in the community. Right, right, right. We did. So that's good. And then, um, you know, you fast forward then. We're talking all the time. And yes, Jennifer, you were a terrific source because, you, you know, you are plugged into this community like no other. Um, I, I, I must say, though, you know, you talked about me being this big time, blah, 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 blah. But you were, you know, you were the big time, um, you know, multimedia cable, you know, <laughs> VP person, you know, and I'm just, you know, we're kind of in that radio. You were asked to do this thing. So, you know, you don't, everybody doesn't get a chance to see the four or 500 people. You know. I mean, that takes a special kind of person. So anyway, I know I'm dragging along. No, but, it's okay. But, but fast forward, we decided to write this book. Really, it's a it's a testament to our friendship, our closeness, um, and some of the same themes that we had when we first. Met. Well, what you said, you said we're talking and communicating about these things so much, and it was during the beginning of the COVID lockdown, and after George Floyd was murdered. And you said you felt that we were living through a moment in history and we needed to start to write things down. Exactly. So you said, when should we start? And because I'm very task oriented, I said tomorrow. Yes. And I said that I would write the first chapter. Yes. And I was going to hem and haw a little bit thinking, who wants to read what we're talking about? And so I, I was said, like, oh, I, we don't, I'm not going to be so, you know openness to say we can, you know, somebody wants to read what we're writing, or me specifically, even though I write every day. But you but you, but I said, we're two average Americans right. who live in the Midwest, right. and at the time I was living in the Midwest, and people may be, and we're in our 50s, and yep. there's probably a lot of people who can relate to this. Correct. And you said, we need to be raw. We just need yes. to put it out there. We need to tell it like it is. 
And we learned from a reader yesterday that it was like going into our underwear drawers. <laughs> yeah. And, I don't know if it was to really go in my underwear drawer. And I thought, wow, should we have but, done this? Yeah. But now it's it's out there. Now it's available. It, it is out there. So it's available. So so with that, yeah. Maybe she, one thing, and you you know learn this in the book. I mean, between us, there's seven daughters. Seven daughters. We both have amazing spouses yeah. who have been really supportive of yeah. this whole thing. We've been, combined, we've been married a half a century or more. Right. Which is pretty significant, actually, when you think about it. I think it, I think it's like a lot more than a half century because we're getting yeah. kind of older now. Yeah. <laughs> so we, there's a lot of, there's, our book leans heavy into hope. We tackle some of the toughest issues the ones that no one wants to talk about. We're gonna read a little tonight and talk about a few things that we're gonna read and why we wrote them. Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna read at you too much, right. but but we will do a little bit of reading. Yes. I'm excited about that because I do like to read. Reading is fundamental. And do know that we do know that this good the book goes deep, but there's also some levity in it. There's also some humor in it. And even if you may hear something that sounds dark tonight, it's considered an optimistic read. And and our early readers and some of the famous people have said that they felt better having read it, that that it was ultimately uplifting. Yeah. But I'm not gonna give a spoiler alert away to the end. No, no spoiler alert. So I think you're gonna read um, a passage first. It's one of my favorites. Well, a passage, I mean, you're gonna take from the passage. So I'm gonna it's read it's on you now. I'm going to read something from the first chapter, uh, but it's it's not the whole first chapter. The first chapter does start. It's called Burying a Friend. It was written on Saturday, June 6, 2020 from Taos, New Mexico, which is where, where I now live with my husband. And it was the day uh, that I was thinking a lot about um, a friend of mine, a good friend, Karen, who died, and we had spread her her ashes uh, a year or so before, so that that was on my mind. It was so it was a bit of a dark it was a bit of a dark day as so I, I start by writing about Karen, but then I quickly go into what Don and I were doing that day, and I said I was called a Nazi today. We were in the checkout. And I looked over and saw a woman gesturing in the face of a store employee. She was not wearing a mask, the only person whom I've observed in a crowded store without one. She was about my age, hippie wear, and looked like a peace-loving type. He was young, tall, and black, and monitoring people at the self-checkout. I noticed that she was yelling and finger-pointing. I approached and said, please move back. You don't have on a mask and are less than six feet away from him. She yelled at me and said, you're the problem. You believe the hoax, and you're being violent. He looked at me and said, thanks, and stared straight ahead. I went back to our lane. Don looked at me as if he thought I might get in a fist fight. I've never been in one. I kept track of her. I noted again she was in his face yelling about the self-serve checkout. Again, I approached and she said, you're a Nazi. And I yelled back, no, I'm a Jew. And our checker told me that lady always caused problems. That was my first time being called a Nazi. Wow. You know, when I read that, if you recall, and I think I wrote this in the letter after that, uh, I, I, I had had a lot of pent up anxiety and I told you I hadn't wept over, over everything. You have to re remember, you know, this is when the country was going mad and we were trying to figure out what to do. And you had that experience with that young man. And when I read that, I found tears coming out of my eyes and I felt like it was because I saw myself in him that you, and there are how many black people are there in Taos? Like five or something? No, no Taos, is, Taos is a diverse community, yes. but it's Native American, Hispanic, and gringo with a small amount of black people. Yes, but it's diverse. It's, it's definitely it's, it's diverse, a diverse community. But there aren't, there aren't that many people who would identify as African. No, American. no. So I saw myself, put myself in that young man's place in Taos, and the fact that you defended him, that was major. It was, and it also showed me, you know, again, all the gumption that you 
show and the and the driving mentality that you have to help us get this book done. Like it was right there. And then you said Don thought you were gonna get in the fist fight, which I can see. <laughs> I don't know how to be in a fist fight. So that was gonna be a problem. I hadn't thought to that point. I just knew I was annoyed. Yeah. Why don't you read us read to read to us? Okay. I I will do that. So so the title of this passage is called A Road Trip Surprise and it was written on Sunday, July 5th, 2020. Now, uh, my family, I have a pretty big family, and so we usually take vacations while we drive, and I know you and Don drive all across the country to get to and fro and to a lot of places, which I love, and we had to do it during COVID, so this was very early, uh, July, July. And we've all established that we travel with food. With food, and, yes. And, and we recently, we're traveling with an air fryer. That's right, yeah. that's right, an air fryer, yeah. and, and I want, some of some of the um, some fried cauliflower. Okay, we'll do, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll do that. So I'm going to read three things I learned on the trip from Cincinnati to Memphis. There are others. One, be in charge of yourself and your immediate family and no one else. Two, don't transport fresh fruit and vegetables in an unrefrigerated container. And three, never, ever surprise your 74-year-old mother-in-law, or your mother, for that matter. <laughs> we set off from, from, from Cincinnati Friday morning with a two-car caravan, if you can call it that. Uh, my daughter and her boyfriend drove their car, and Jill and the girls and I were in our car. And we had six people, and Ginger, my daughter's daughter. Age groups range from 12 to 25, which requires all kinds of planning. I needed to take a potty break, of course I did, every 55 minutes. And the girls needed to potty breaks even between my potty breaks. And then we had to coordinate plans to eat. It's not, excuse me, it's not super hard to coordinate vegan meals on the road. But you do have to think about where to eat. Jill, my wife, has the patience of Job. I'm less patient. So I became frustrated with all the coordination. And Jill wanted to bring fresh oranges and apples and celery and carrots to her mother, thinking they would be OK with no ice. <laughs> they weren't OK. When I read this, that. I think I let you know that I would have done the same thing. I would have put them in the car. Don would have debated. I would have insisted. Yeah. So I understand Jill's thinking. And you know what? I'm 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 really kind of quaking a little bit now because I don't think she knew that I put that in there, and so I'm going to have a situation. You might. I think we also learned then that we all we both have vegans in the family. That's right. And That's that right. can be complicated. Yes. That so, can, that can be complicated. Yeah. So that's that's that was just wonderful love. I, I enjoyed the trip and it was good. And uh, and and you were going to Memphis. Yes. And we've never been to Memphis, so now we're going to be doing a stop in Memphis coming yeah. up here in a couple of weeks. That's right. And I've told you where you should go eat, but yeah. I'll tell you again. And we have the air fryer in case that doesn't work out. Right. right. So I wrote to you from Twin Lakes, Colorado. We called this in thin air. This was Tuesday, July 14th, 2020. And uh, Don and I were trying to take a few days off the grid where there isn't good cell service and, uh, and et cetera. However, we were able to receive a message that latest news, our Caroline who lives on the South Carolina Georgia line was notified by her landlord. The couple living next door to her with whom she shares a driveway, both doctors have COVID. Our otherwise healthy girl, I'm now worried. She's there alone, which concerns me. Like, how will my baby be taken care of if she becomes ill? And she's living in a pretty open part of the nation. At the same time, I got a note from Nora, our daughter who lives in Berlin, who said that she had made plans to get married to Erwan, in Copenhagen during COVID and that the mm -hmm. date would be there in August. She said it was going to be in the Vegas of Europe, which where you can get married if you're from different places and they make it easy. Wow. So this this comes up in the middle of all and right. you know we're we're doing our little getaway. Yeah. So 
that's that's I remember reading that and I thought how how scared I actually was feeling just a little bit that she was in Vegas and holding around. Yeah, I learned later when they flew there that they were tightly packed and it wasn't good, but so far they're so far they're healthy. So you know, with COVID, this was a trying, trying year. And I know it was probably trying for everyone who had to deal with it. It was, this is something that, that was unprecedented. We, um, we, we had, um, you know, we had to stay inside. We had to wear masks. Uh, some people didn't want to wear masks. And so it was kind of a weird situation. And we're still there. And we spent a lot of time, frankly, worrying about our kids. Yeah. And you and I have talked about that a lot. And it wasn't just about their health, but it was about the what was happening to the economy and life and the ages our kids are and what opportunities they were going to miss. And if they were on the other side of the world or were going to have to go and do a virtual classroom and what that was going to mean. And right. we had a lot of discussion about that. And I, I two of my children, uh, one spent time mostly in a virtual classroom for the whole year and then another one went to school four days a week off on Wednesdays and usually that was the day for deep cleaning so you know but we made it they, they don't have COVID they're fine we're good so yeah so why don't I skip over to, to um, another passage this one is called the day I got religion and Jennifer, I know we talked a little bit about religion uh, a lot. We didn't talk a lot early, but we did uh, sort of in the middle. But And this is kind of when I was writing. It's on August 26, 2020, from Cincinnati, Ohio. And so I'll, so I'll read here. I said, dear friend, I'm prayerful today. I'm prayerful. Neither one of us has spoken much about our faith in these many days of letters. I have written about my faith in columns, not as a bludgeon, mind you but simply to note that I am a person of faith. I was baptized in 1972 in a tributary of the Red River which ran alongside about 100, 100 yards from the church that was founded by my grandfather and a dozen or so other men. A handful of kids were with me in white robes. This is the same river that we are hearing about today as Hurricane Laura lashes my home state of Louisiana. We caught catfish, fatty, bloody buffalo fish there. Animals drank there and did their business there. And every year, at least a few scared new Christians were indoctrinated into God's kingdom there. When I think about it, Pilgrim's Rest Baptist Church was founded in the 40s and was really built on the edge of a cotton plantation owned by a man named Charlie Rogers. My grandparents were sharecroppers on this land and not far, was my, not far from the church was my grandmother's house, which is where my mother and I lived after I was born in Confederate Memorial Hospital. I have to tell you, so I knew you pretty well when we went into writing this book, but I had never heard such a such a history. Yeah. That you were born in a hospital called Confederate Memorial Hospital. That is very true. Or the concept of baptism is not something that I was raised with. And I probably didn't have much respect for organized religion because in my generation being post-Holocaust, I thought organized religion or religion at all was, was a way to discriminate against people, something to be used in that way, a form that I'd be targeted. Right, I get that. So as I've learned from you and a lot of what we wrote about what's important is here is how people connect to other people. As I've learned from you, the importance of religion in your life. 
right. and the sense of community that religion brings and why you even said to me the other day, Sunday historically for black Americans is the day that that you congregate. Absolutely it is. And and to me that was it was something it was something so foreign to me, but so interesting and important. I was glad that I was able to share that, um, that aspect of my life with you. I did say we need to be raw. There's a lot of truths in this book. There's a lot of things that I bring up that have happened in my world that I just wanted to share. You can look like, a, you can look a certain way um, or appear to be a certain way, but there's just so many things that build into your life to make you the person that you are. And so that was just one of the things I wanted to share. So thank you. Well, thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read from Monday, October 5th, 2020, Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, this section's called Measure for Measure. And we do talk quite a bit about work. And um, we, both of our work situations have changed. And this was going on during the pandemic as we were dealing with our, our offspring and their work. So I'll read briefly. You and I talked recently about careers on the downside with few exceptions, when one passes 50, and especially today, we become more expendable. I've learned as a consultant that my history is of some value. Don and I joke that on many days, our work is less important, our work is on less important matters than what we endeavored on in our 30s. The good news is it doesn't matter to us that much anymore. We learned that being titled or wealthiest, the wealthiest person in the graveyard is not an aspiration. I do not have the stamina that I once had that was a core part of my being. Well, I'm known for my high energy and good teeth. <laughs> I'm not what I used to be. I also know that I seem to have the physical energy for exercise, but my mental patience for garbage is diminished. However, I'm longer on wisdom. Mm. Yeah, I've got to benefit. I've, I've been able to benefit from some of that wisdom too, which I really appreciate. And you know, you talk about you know having energy and exercise. You and your husband, uh, and you guys climb mountains and you do hard stuff. Um, can you talk to us just a little bit about why you do that? You've climbed Kilimanjaro. Uh, I know if you can go out of your your back door and if you could run in your into your backyard and just up the hill a little bit, there's like a big mountain over there is, your backyard. There is. And you climb that mountain. It's the it's the roof of New Mexico. Yes. Wow. You, yes. you guys ski that mountain. You don't. We don't. We, we don't ski on the mountain near there. We ski okay. next. We ski adjacent. I mean, why do we do that? Yeah. Why do you do that? Uh, <laughs> that's boy. That's a trick question. A real mountaineer would say because it's there. We, frankly, because because nature is therapy for us, and we love being out in it. We love being away from it. We find it relaxing. We like to be. We like to be away from the aggravation. Yeah. And I, I, I believe, I personally believe that getting out in nature for anyone, even if it's in a park up the street from your house or in your backyard is important. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a tall mountain, but we do That's like the tall mountains. That's good. And, and you can see, you know, there, there's a passage in here where I talk about the fact that I wanted to be an astronomer at one point in my life. So I am so interested in the skies of everywhere I go to look and see something different. Uh, what's what is it? What is the night sky like there? The night this, sky this is, is from me. This the is night the sky is huge. The night you can see a full Milky Way. Wow. You can see planets with the naked eye. It's uh, it's 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 amazing. You know that's very exciting. I still kind of have a little bit of that want to be astronomer, you know, in me. So maybe you know maybe I can be an amateur astronomer. Still, you so, can do that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. I, I, I want to turn now um, a little bit to we talked we talked a little bit about family, but I want to talk specifically about my mother, because how do we make it without our mothers? We were fortunate enough to have a column published on Mother's Day in, in, in a local paper uh, here in Cincinnati, actually, and, and it was just wonderful. So. We like to talk about our mothers. We are the people who you talk about. We had good mothers. We did. And it was, we're thankful for that. We did. Yeah. 
So the title of this is called Remembering Mother. Uh, and we're getting along now in these letters. And so this was Monday, September 22nd, 2020. And this was written from Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, let me run over this because what I was doing was my mother um, actually died a few years ago. And we, of course, as a family got together to have um, a Zoom call. And one of the things that we wanted to do was uh, get together to honor my mother. So it would have been her 77th birthday. And when I say my family members, this is everyone that you can think of in my extended family because my mother had seven siblings, um, three sisters and four brothers. Well, no, no, no. Three sisters, yes. Three sisters and four brothers. Three plus Reese's and four brothers. Anyway, um, so this was a, we all had a Zoom call, and here's here's some of what what went on there. So this was the first time we'd all gotten together since Mom's funeral. We sang the birthday song twice, and we shared lots of memories. It is always a struggle for me when I'm around my aunts and we're discussing my mom. That's because she was there, Mom, first. There is no story that I can tell about my mom that they can't best. And it's not a competition, mind you, but it can get a little frustrating. Their memories of her are as vivid of yes as yesterday. They knew her when she was fierce. She graduated from high school at 16 and went to college at 17. Uh, my, my Aunt Deborah presented a picture of her in 1962. She was 18 and beautiful. She could sew and cook and paint and figure everything out. She was a terrific listener and giver of advice. She never raised her voice. She always wore a smile, even when she was admonishing someone, someone that's like me. <laughs> uh, the story that I told about mom was about condoms. I hid some in a crevice in a wall when I was a teenager. She found them and she left them there. <laughs> and for all I know, they may still be there because Lord knows I never used them. This, this was the one cringe-worry story better left unmentioned. Always go too far. <laughs> so you're mom, Byron, and you uh, we've talked a lot about her. Yes. Your mother was a single mother. Yes, she was. You were raised on a farm. Yes, I was. She was a teacher, and she placed the highest value on education. Absolutely. So thank you for that. She was a teacher. First, she was an elementary school teacher, and then she transitioned into teaching. So for a while, back in the when she was teaching, and this was in the 70s, sometimes students with special needs were not mainstream. They were set apart. And those are the students that she taught and loved. And I will tell you, this is one thing I think about education, the education system. Many of those kids in that in her classes were as smart as anyone. They they just needed to learn differently. And now we do that better. But back then, I think we we did a lot of kids a disservice, frankly. Well, your mom. And anyone who reads the book will see this. Byron's mother was a fierce woman who did the did the absolute best for you. Thank you. I think now we should probably turn to talking about the subject of we we decided we were going to write about bigotry, race, COVID, religion, health, and parenting. And we said, someone said yesterday, oh, you wrote about all the big subjects except sex. Well, we what we have is the sorts of problems people start to have with their bodies when they get into their 50s. So <laughs> some of that's in there. I guess that could still be in the health category. Yeah, that, that's definitely in the health category. There's, there's, a, there's a chapter in there that, that starts with, um, you know, different kinds of... Uh, 
I think it's called zucchini, squash, and red peppers or something like that. Yeah. And then you talked about some things which, which you know, this is what happens. So but we've done pretty well, though. I mean, I think we look pretty darn good <laughs> to be, anyway, yeah. We'll stop. We're, we're, because you don't always go. We're, we're healthy. We're healthy. So in terms of, for, for our readers to understand, or people who might want to be interested in the book, yes, uh, we take on dark topics. We clearly do. And there are a lot of days when we're both writing and we're both struggling to try to still be hopeful. Right. We're feeling like optimists, but we're having, we're struggling with that. Right. And, you know, George Floyd was the first of many shootings or much violence I mean, as the summer continued on and the political unrest increased and we write all the way through, we put our pens down on election day before we knew who the president was and we picked them back up right after the inauguration. And to be honest, um, we're not going to get political here, but we were not sure how things were going to go in the country. We did not. And when we put our pens down, as you said before, you know, that day, I remember that day, writing the last entry on that day. And then I, I put it down and I watched TV for the most of the night. I watched the election coverage. And, you know, as I read through all of our letters, we were, we were, we were anxiety riddled for much of it. But we did try to be hopeful, but we were anxiety. We, we were quite, right, and a lot of what we wrote about is how to over, how we right. how we personally overcame some That's of that. That's right. That's right. So climbing mountains was one. Um, walking was one. Connecting. Uh, I mean, the fact that we with connected other people. Right. Connecting with and right and writing helped us. Right. And I baked a lot of cookies. Yes, you did. Um, I will tell you, you know that there was a piece. Do you remember when I talked about? sitting on the front porch. Yes. Um, we, we live in this neighborhood that has a great front porch and people actually walk by with their dogs and, you know, their babies and together holding hands and all that kind of stuff. But I was out there one, one day and one of my friends came over, Sharon, she's a great friend. We went through a leadership class together and we became great friends. And so, person came by, her name was Pat. And Pat's, you know, a silver haired person who ends up, she was one of the, you know, she, she was on Mayor Daly's. She, she was on, you know, she had a seat on Mayor Daly's. Right, um, right, right. Uh, what do you call that, Mayor? The big, you know, alderman, the alderman, exactly. the red board right, of alderman. Right, right. But she just talked about her life. She, she, I asked her if she wanted a drink and she asked me to pour her a bourbon with one piece of ice. <laughs> I said, yeah, this is a woman, this is a formidable woman here. But we went into it and she talked about her granddaughter who drew um, I Can't Breathe mask, a mask with I Can't Breathe over it. And it was a young man's face. Uh, and she and underneath it she had black lives matter and, and she so so this lady pat pat tim she went over to her house which looks she turns out she lived a block away and she brought us uh, a band and you we hadn't met, you hadn't met her before right? i hadn't met her ever right but we had this long lengthy conversation about race like that was a period when everyone would really wanted to talk and they were seeking solutions they were seeking ways to engage and I welcomed that. Like that was a piece of her coming to a stranger's house, seeing two friends talking, and she joined us with her glass of bourbon with one piece of ice. <laughs> and we had a great time and we really connected. And that's what it's really kind of what we wanted to do in this book, actually. Well, that's what you and I sought to do. And there was one editor we talked to at one point, and he said I don't think you're going to start a letter writing movement. That's right. I'm not sure. But we said, well, it doesn't have to be letter writing. It doesn't. can be people connecting. It can be people stopping over each other's homes. It can be a lot of different things. That's right. But we felt that the connecting part was important. Yeah, it is. We don't connect enough. You know, 
one of the one of the reasons why I think so, you know, we, we talk a lot, you know, thank thank goodness for technology. We talk on these little things, but we've sort of sort of lost the art of really connecting legitimately and authentically with our friends. Yes. Um, and going deep and talking about the things that really matter. Like, you know, we talked about how, you know, changing jobs and how we, you know, all that stuff. You know, I'm so I'm thankful to be able to, you know, be engaged and and, and working. Um, but the pursuit of the things that we work for, which is the means to acquire things pretty much and, and support each other, it, it's not that important. I mean, you want, you have to support yourself. Right. Don't get me wrong. But what's important is to be able to share feelings, things, events. You know, I had one person say, I, I collect, um, I collect adventures, not money. Or I collect, you know, it was something like that. But I love, I love that philosophy, right? I absolutely. I'm going to, let's see, do we have questions? Yep. Okay, we're turning, I think, to the question yeah. section. So, oh, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you so, want to take so, that? Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll read the question. So, so the question is, as we were writing to each other, how do we decide um, what the end of the book should be? Um, wow, that's a good question. So when we, when we decided to end this book, and Jennifer, I, I I remember, you know, we talked about that. Well, we were going to end after we 60 were, days. Right. At first, we were going to do 60 days, and then 60 days turned into 90 days, and then 90 days turned into election day. Election day. Right. And that was really it. Ending it on election day to us felt right because we've talked so much about politics and we talked so much about this current condition that we were in, we felt like election day, but then that epilogue, and that's how we ended it. We wanted to end it, and I don't, I can't give it away because I don't want to do that. Don't, but no, don't spoil it. I'm not our, gonna spoil our, it. Our publisher told us to come back and write an epilogue. That's right. Right. Yeah. And that's what we did. Right. So, hope that answers the question. <laughs> yes. So, next question, Jennifer, you probably should take that um, question. We, well, no, we don't have another one yet. We, All right. um, we do. So, um, we've got people are watching from all over the place. In okay. 1961, graduate of Wyoming High School, Jennifer Lori Betts is joining us that's, tonight. That's that's a great. Well, I wish you talk about. Yeah, that. I mean, I can. This is that. so for people who see this who aren't in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, there's a place where I was raised, Wyoming, Ohio, mm -hmm. and it's in the book. Yeah. Um, and there could be some people from Wyoming who will want to see these things that are written. But yeah. Wyoming was the last fully integrated school district in the state of Ohio. And that was 1971, correct? I have to look back in the book. Okay. No, Wyoming was fully integrated no, in the 60s. It was 60. I was thinking about myself. <laughs> it was in the 60s. Yeah. I think it was 1961. I actually have to look back in my notes. Mm -hmm. And at the time we were writing this, I was in touch with a number of my classmates from Wyoming, frankly, about what it was like to grow up black in Wyoming. And while it boasts one of the best school districts in the state of Ohio. And I'm proud to be from Wyoming and really proud of how far Wyoming's come and what Wyoming is now. Um, it was not, I, I mean, I know several women whose moms went there, black families, and they describe what it was like. Their parents lived there for the same reason minded because of the school district. Right. Always had good schools, but it was, much more segregated than even I knew. And some of that came out as I started to ask people about it during the course of writing this book. And it dealt with where people lived, if kids were allowed to go in the local swimming pool, where people sat in the lunchroom. And there is even a plaque on uh, the city hall building right now that that was the, the black school. I've been in and out of that building so many times, but I don't think I even knew this until we were writing together. That is pretty amazing to think about. 
you know, I've, I've mentioned that my kindergarten class in Louisiana was the first integrated class uh, classroom. And, you know, here we are young. We're, we're, we're well, we're young-ish. <laughs> you would have thought we would have been more advanced by our generation. Absolutely. Right, Absolutely. right, right. Um, you know, we, we wanted to ask us each other a couple of questions right. that we didn't we didn't plan. It's just a question. So I, I would love to ask you um, a question. Um, can you talk about if you had to um, to to be? Let me back up. If you had to go back into history and have dinner with two people, who would they be? And what do you think you would ask? See, I know this is, this is, this, yeah. Who would they be? Well, one is Jackie Kennedy. All right. Why? I'd like to just understand what it was really like to be her during those times, mm. during the time she lived in. Yeah. And See, we think we had a really tough year. And we talk about even right. 1968, right? But well, and she seemed to always be able to keep it together. Yes. Through tough times. The other, and I did meet him once briefly, but he was already advanced with Parkinson's at the time. The other, uh, the other I would have liked to have really talked to is Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah. And same thing. What Absolutely. it was, what it was like, what it was like to be him. When you talk about having hope, those two people had to overcome a lot. And still maintain. Well, and he especially, he had a lot of nerve. He and did. I mean that in a good way. What about right. you? Right. My two, um, for me, it, it would definitely be the person who, so Martin Luther King, right? But I also would love to be able to be in the room in the conversations that he was having with his people. But definitely Martin Luther King. That's, that's, that's one for me. And it's important that people know that your wife, Jill, um, Jill has a relative who was a famous civil rights leader who was in That's all right. those circles. So right. you, you got a little close. So to I that. got a little close to that um, at his funeral. A lot of the giants were there and it opened up my eyes so much. Willie Bolden, who is Jill's uncle, who he was just a humble man. Um, you know, he, 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 he didn't tell us all about the things that we learned at this funeral. So that was amazing. So that's why it kind of opened up. But I, I want to know how, how they did what they did. I mean, it informs a lot of the protests right now, actually. Right. So how they did what they did. And I, and I think the second person that I would really want to spend um, a ton of time with um, it, it would also be Jackie Robinson. Now he, he, you know, this is this was, you know, these it, it's they're both civil rights sort of leaders, but groundbreaking. I cannot imagine the stories that I've heard about him and that I know that I that I've read about him that he went through back then. And so he would he would be definitely the I would want to to talk to him. Yeah. Looks like we have a question that came up from our audience. Um, in May 2021, um, you found that hope was interrupted. And we went back and forth about what to call this right. book. I can speak for myself, and maybe this, I mean, this should probably be our last, our, our final question. Or we're being told we could do a little more. Yeah, I'd love to do a little. In more. May of in May of 2021, I think we thought COVID was still kind of quaint. Yeah. That we all were enjoying being at home, and maybe right. we'd come out of this, and people were getting some time off, and you could, you know, start painting or writing right. a book right. or right. baking cookies or doing right. these things. And we were fortunate, right? We could kind of afford to do that. A lot of people were losing wages and having very horrible times, but it hadn't gotten it hadn't gotten quite so terrible yet. Right. But I think 
after with COVID and then George Floyd's murder, that was both of those things at once. Those are like double, double the, tragic uh, whammies on the whole, um, on the people, on, on all of us collectively. And then people were going out and protesting, which I was hugely in favor of. But then I thought, oh my gosh, who's going to get COVID? Right. How's this? Right. How's this? Because they were, they, right, right. They, they were maskless. Right. And no one was really taking, well, none of us really were, knew the seriousness of COVID. Back then, you know, we, we were, we didn't have, what, it was, the deaths were still in the tens of thousands. Well, we, right? we it cases. was later in the summer we started to think, and we write about this. Right. And I think I said to you at one point, I think over 500,000 people. I was just right. guessing, guessing with what the way this thing, with the way this was going. Right. And now look at it. I mean, Today so did was you a, think hope? I mean, did you think hope was interrupted in May of 2021? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, I did. If we're, if we're talking about um, COVID, when we're talking about you know May of 2021, May of 2020, May, May of 2021. 2021. But yeah. I think we also, I, say, I think yeah. we were both kind of stunned yeah. that things kept getting worse and worse over the summer. We were. And and, yeah. and frankly, from the political unrest and the bigotry. Point of view, and we we do talk a whole lot about bigotry in the book. Yeah, yeah. I think we I think the fact that so much of that was coming out, and there were so many political statements being made, the mask became a political statement. Right. I think all of that. I mean, all of that. It did start to seem pretty dire, pretty fast. Right. To politicize. Right. Everything was sort of becoming politicized. Right. And that's not the way, you know, we need to move forward together, frankly, in our country. Um, we need to find a way to, to, to be better together. And that's an always, that's an always, so. And we, all, we ultimately pounded a, a table on unite, not divide, right. um, and talked about our frustrations with the fact that we thought this was a great thing, but not everyone around us did and how we were dealing with people who were around us or people in our lives who might feel differently. And frankly, what kind of relationships were being cut off because of that? Exactly. I, I felt like, and, and I, I talked about this in the book, uh, with, and you know this, I talked about trying to remain friends with people that I know love me and I love them, but we have just, now totally different i mean i don't know if you call it a belief system or what but just things that that they believe in that i believe in are so diametrically opposed but yet you come together it's almost like how it's really almost like a, like a political compromise you can you can be you can disagree without being disagreeable right exactly right so that was it you have to almost you have to sometimes just let it go and lay it down so why don't we read one more time Love and then wrap it up? Okay. Do you want to go? Let me see if I can go here. I have to find. Oh, okay. Let's see. Hold on. All right. So, uh, I want to read. No, I'm not going to read that. I want to go back. Yeah. All right, here we go. So, I want your. I want to read from October. Um, and this was titled "Dance Like Dance Like a Ginger," which is not like a ginger, like a redhead. No, like Fred Astaire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. So, um, so I'm going to read a little bit of that. So. Um, Today I'm tired, though not necessarily in a physical sense. This is the kind of tiredness. I should have said fatigue there. It's okay. Um, this is the kind of tiredness that happens to your brain when it's on overload. That does happen sometimes. And, it's, and I learned, need to learn to be okay with it. However, the overachiever, perfectionist woo in me frets over things. Jill can tell you that. 
Um, in an effort to hold things close to the vest, I probably do myself no favors health-wise. So every day this week at 3 p.m., I've taken a 24-minute walk around the neighborhood before returning to work. It helped. It's also refreshing. Though 77 degrees in late October feels a bit weird. <laughs> Jen, I think you and others warned me about project creep. Remember the advice you were giving me exactly. about my new job? Right. Um, the thing that can sabotage production on a new job. I'm there. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm there, I'm afraid. But I aim to remedy that this week. Meanwhile, life goes on. I, too, am anxious for two primary reasons. The election, of course, and two, COVID. Stop there. Because that, look at that. October 23rd, that was typical me talking about, you know. Well, you were writing a book. Right, right. You were starting, you were in a new job. Right. We had an election. Yep. And COVID was going back up. That's exactly right. So I wrote on October 9th from the Sea Islands. I, I got, actually got on a plane to go see my daughter Caroline. Oh. Oh. And okay. I, in the middle of all this, the last time I've been on a plane, yeah. and this is called Lost to be Found. And the first day I was there, we decided to go kayaking on the Savannah River. Yes. And she was Caroline and a friend. And we missed the turnoff and we had to paddle back up river. <laughs> And I might think of myself as a strong person, but not like the two people in their 20s. Yes. And it took hours. And I'm I'm going to I'm and it's it's a funny but kind of deep thinking entry overall. Yeah. I remember I was thinking of the song Amazing Grace, and I wrote this. Because I because I was lost. Right. <laughs> I was lost. So I this is I'm paddling. Well, I know the song's intent is not about an old woman lost on the Savannah River. I was simply thinking about being lost. I was also grateful for this long afternoon in which my daughter was a dot far ahead of me with no news coverage, no vitriol, and an acceptance of a young man who was with us who thought so much differently. That it'll go into that a little more, but um, I think he, his politics were different than mine, and I stayed on good behavior. I felt I felt hope. I dug in hard. I pulled the fast-moving water, and I smiled. Traveling upstream is always something that comes to me naturally. It is said that we remember the best times that went wrong. It's one of the, my stepfather's favorite concepts. My daughter reminded me of a time in northern India in which we had to flee as we were close to a terrorist incident. And it was pretty intense. While we laughed about it, there was nothing funny at the time. And it's a time to remember. One memory connects to another, different time and different continents. We pulled into the dock hours later, sunburned and smiling. I unpacked our wet phones and found troubled messages from Don. The river people had called him and the message from our kayak man said, asking where we were. When we got off, he asked if I wanted a drink. I joked and said a vodka tonic, and he handed me <laughs> some water. <laughs> Sometimes we have to get lost to find ourselves. My body hurts, but my mind hopes. Uh, that was one of my absolute favorite entries. Because it, it, yeah, it was. So thank you. So with that, we hope you'll read our book, orangefraser.com, amazon.com. Hopeinterrupted.com or in your indie bookstore. And we also have a podcast. We Would you like to remind them? We the have podcast? a podcast that's available on all the platforms called Hope Interrupted, where we have guests from all across the country every week and spend half hour to 45 minutes talking about current issues and how they find hope. Thank you. You know, we also... We also, today actually, and of course when people see this, it won't be today, 
it might be later. However, we we had a great guest. And I must say the podcast have been wonderful to be able to, to to sort of amplify what we're doing in the book. We had Charmaine McGuffey, yeah. the first one of the first female sheriff in Hamilton County, Ohio. That's right. Gay, married, lifelong law enforcement, spent time in an orphanage. She's got it all, and she's been of interest from Ohio to Australia. That's right. And she was great. She was she was absolutely terrific. She was. So, so that's going to be great, and uh, you know, they, people can look listen to this again on Spotify, um, and you know, looking forward to more of that with you. That's going to be great. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much.